Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name is Nate, Oracle of Antioch, Thurston, and across from me is Charles Chuck Thompson. How's it going today, Chuck? Oracle of Antioch. That's, that's what they're calling me these days. Oh, yeah. okay. I, you, you don't pick your nicknames, you know? That's just what, that's what I heard. Yeah. You know? I, I was going to call you uh, Baba Ganoush. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one, too. That's a good one, too. We were talking about some wedding crashers before. Well, right before the show. Right before. So I was going to open the show and call you Baba, Baba Ganoush. Well, you and, didn't. I beat you to it because you, I had a nice nickname that I had to get across today. That you had to get yourself. Very, very that important you, that stuff. you had to give yourself. Today. If you, right. if you want to know what everyone's talking about, it's, it's mastermystonks.com. You can use the promo code SAVE20 to get 20% off your first two months. There's over 300 videos on that website. I go live every single morning talking about swing trades, day trades, all that good stuff. Mastermystonks.com. Use that glossy. And, okay. hey, look, Clay's not watching live, so I think you're yeah. fine. See, I tried to squeeze that in before he, got, <laughs> before he got on the show. The people watching live on Discord, they don't like it when we do ads. So we try oh, to not ever pay, do any ads. They pay. They're part of the Patreon group. You, When you pay for something, you shouldn't have to have ads. Unless exactly. it's Hulu or YouTube TV or Peacock or any of those, then you, you still, still get, get ads, <laughs> even if you're paying for it. I, I realize yeah. that. So, but they have limited ads compared to people who it's true who listen to the pod just the podcast. They've pretty, got more ads. They're pretty quick. I I got a Peacock subscription because I heard I should watch Yellowstone. You know, uh, the one that Kevin Costner's in. Mm-hmm. I just tried again. I watched the first episode and I was like, oh god. And it been a little bit, so I watched the first episode again. And this time I was like, oh Jesus. <laughs> I'm still just not there. If someone has watched more than the first episode of Yellowstone, let me know if it's good. And the third and, time you watch it, you're like, oh, <laughs> holy spirit. <laughs> yes. Great grandmother spatula. <laughs> All right, y'all. This is the Good Morning Liberty podcast where we talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning every single day of the week when we want to. And today's one of those days. It Yesterday is. was not because that was Memorial Day. Happy Memorial Day. And thank you. Uh, to all of the uh, past soldiers who were willing to give it all. Mm -hmm. I talked about this a little bit on Thursday, um, that Memorial Day is a special uh, remembrance, especially for the families who lost loved ones, for those, whether you agree with the wars or not, you libertarians out there, it doesn't matter. People were willing to sign on the dotted line to sacrifice themselves um, for for the good of the nation, which is more than I can say because I never signed the line. And that is what we should remember, even though we're libertarians and we're strongly against pretty much all the wars that have occurred in our lifetimes. Uh, still, the people who have signed up and decided to go fight, they, they thought that what they were doing... Uh, was protecting all of us and that what that means the reason i'm saying that is because a lot of times libertarians can say bad things about people who join the military mm. and we're not or those, make fun of people who died or yeah we're whatever. not those kind of guys okay and uh, i truly think that the people who join and who go over and fight they are really are being brave and heroic and are doing what they're doing so they can keep all of us safe whether or not we agree with the politics of the situation or whether or not it, that war should have occurred uh, that is up for discussion. But to me, the actual uh, whether or not the people who are serving are good people and deserve our respect. To me, that's not really something I would want to debate. I think it's pretty clear. Or who who are willing to put themselves in situations that almost all of us are not. Yeah. 
Yeah, we're truly and, not. The people willing to run to towards a gunfight. Yeah, uh, or or a mortar fight or whatever. I mean, so uh, it, it's a really important uh, holiday, and uh, so we express our sincerest gratitude for those who have gone before us. I just wanted to get that out of the way real quick. I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did. Hey there. My name is Brad Palumbo. I'm a libertarian conservative journalist and the host of the Breaking Boundaries podcast. I started my show to have longer conversations with the thought leaders I've met working in journalism on the big picture political issues that matter. At the Breaking Boundaries podcast, we seek to bring you a right of center perspective, but we go beyond short sound bites, partisan talking points, and simplistic echo chambers. Our guests have included politicians like Senator Rand Paul, Congressman Thomas Massey, and even members of the UK Parliament. We also break down the issues with policy pros like Steve Forbes, journalists like Glenn Greenwald, and next generation influencers like transgender YouTuber Blair White. New episodes come out every Wednesday and Saturday, so search Breaking Boundaries on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you can join in on our conversation. So what's on the docket today, well, what Bubba we, Ganoush? What we got on the docket today, we got the D.C. Attorney General filing any new antitrust lawsuit against Amazon. Amazon's so we'll be talking too about big. That. They're a monopoly, of yeah. course, and they're exerting their monopoly forces over all of us, so... We can start with that. And what we do on this podcast, if it's your first time listening, we go through the news, a lot of time headline news, not just a little this person said that or this person said that. All right. That's not really news to me, but the real things are really happening. And then we dissect them from a libertarian perspective and talk about what we think on them. So this first one comes from The Hill. You do from a libertarian. I do from a liberty. A liberty perspective. perspective. I do it from a small L libertarian yeah. mindset perspective, just to let everyone know. Because okay. yeah, sometimes libertarians even rub me the wrong way. I uh, know, man. I'm a principal type of man. I ain't no party affiliate. Mm -mm. Okay, you're multi-partisan. Mm -hmm. You ain't partisan. Okay, I am. I am a non-partisan. You're non. This is a non-partisan think podcast right, right here. Okay. All right. So D.C. Attorney General files antitrust lawsuit against Amazon. Mm. Washington D.C. Attorney General Carl Racine filed an antitrust lawsuit against Amazon Tuesday, alleging that the e-commerce giant has unfairly raised prices and hurt innovation. That, that already right there. Yeah, Amazon definitely has... Uh, we, they're most known... For stifling innovation. For having high prices and stopping innovation. Yeah. That's what Amazon's most known for. That's we, how they grew to be such a massive company if we would have only not had amazon we would have had so much more innovation that's how they obviously grew into a monopoly yeah all the grocery stores all these other stores they would have naturally moved into delivery they would have delivered things to your home and have pickup orders and things like that all these websites would have had reviews and all that if it weren't for amazon doing what amazon does we're lucky that we still got the innovation that we mm -hmm. did okay the lawsuit filed in D.C. Superior, Superior Court claims that Amazon is engaged in anti-competitive business practices, including not allowing third-party sellers to offer their products at lower prices elsewhere and imposing excessive fees. Just so you know, that is something that pretty much all stores do. They do like when you are selling through them, they make sure that they are selling things at the best prices. But with Amazon, what they used to do is you wouldn't be allowed to list things if they if they weren't the lowest price as possible. Or if you were selling them cheaper somewhere else, like on your own website, you wouldn't be able to list things on Amazon, okay? 
to me, I'm totally fine with them doing that. And in my opinion, either you're going to use Amazon or you're not. But anyway, the suit alleges that those practices have passed on fees to consumers in the form of higher prices, prevents other platforms from competing, and takes away choices from consumers. <laughs> prevents other... So we got to make sure that you can list things for higher prices on Amazon. That way we stop what's happening, which is Amazon being too high in price. So the, the lawsuit's alleging that they're causing higher prices and also saying that the reason the antitrust lawsuit is happening is because they force you to charge the lowest prices possible. Of course. Just making sure everyone's clear yeah. on what this lawsuit is saying. Quote, Amazon has used its dominant position in the online retail market to win at all costs. What a bully. Oh, man. It maximizes its profits at the expense of third-party sellers and consumers while harming the competition. The consumers are super worried about people having to list things at lower prices on yeah. Amazon. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that us as consumers, I'm most worried about, actually. While harming competition, stifling innovate. See, when they list things at lower prices, that hurts their competitors who are trying to sell things at higher prices. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we got to make sure we fix that. Right, exactly. Okay? That's one of the things that we need the government to do is make sure that we can pay higher prices for things. Uh, stifling innovation and illegally tilting the playing field in its favor. What's amazing is Amazon doesn't even make that much money off of its retail side. I know. Like They make almost, their money from, yeah. From server, from AWS. Mm -hmm. Almost like the majority of Amazon profits comes from AWS. Um, which is tyrannical and monopolistic, of course, as well. So we got to yeah, stop that. Because Microsoft there, they don't have as many servers. <laughs> Amazon claimed in 2019 to end the pricing policy that, that barred retailers from selling their products at lower price or on better terms. However, according to the lawsuit, the company quickly replaced it with another policy that allows the platform to sanction or remove sellers that partake in this activity. And so what they are actually upset about is you can list things at lower prices elsewhere. You don't have to list at the highest prices, but Amazon won't make you a preferred seller when you search an item anymore. They will, they will send other things that are lower priced and better deals for people on the first page of search results if you're not someone who's selling things at the lowest prices. So we have to stop this. The we, yeah. Honestly. And that's also because, remember, you're using Amazon's base, their customer base. To list your products for sale and if you got it for a better deal on uh, on your own website well then why would amazon want to list it yeah i mean it's, i don't think they should be forced to list things no <laughs> honestly the lawsuit calls for relief including blocking amazon from harming current or future competitors through structural relief and conduct remedies an amazon spokesperson told the hill that the lawsuit has the situation exactly backwards is from Amazon. They say sellers set their own prices for the products they offer in our store. Amazon takes pride in the fact that we offer low prices across the broadest selection. And like any store, we reserve the right to not highlight offers to consumers that are not priced competitively. So that's what they're doing. They're not highlighting the offers. They're not sending them to the first page of your search yeah. results if they're not priced competitively with other items. Mm, we have to stop this. <laughs> we have to. The government. The, the madness. The bully. Yeah, what a yeah, bully. This is terrible. The lawsuit comes amid tight antitrust scrutiny of big tech companies. The Justice Department has brought a case against Google, while the Federal Trade Commission has brought a case against Facebook. Lawmakers on both sides of the aisle have decreed the alleged monopoly power of these companies and have promised more legislation to revamp antitrust enforcement. This, is, mm. this always reminds me of Thomas Sowell talking about this in Basic Economics. There's this myth 
that what antitrust policies, what they've stopped are these companies who do what they say, what they call cornering the market, which is coming in, knocking out all the competitors and then raising your prices. There haven't been any antitrust cases against companies that were charging too high of prices. There's only been antitrust against companies that were charging too low of prices on people, which to me is better for the overall general public, all the consumers out not there. Not the lawsuits. Yeah. No, it's, it's not, not for that, but not the lawsuits. The fact that people are charging too low of prices, that's better for consumers. As if somehow that's a bad thing. That's a bad thing. Oh, the prices are too low. When the, when the government gets involved, when they, when they have an antitrust suit, it's always against a company who is charging a lower price than its competitors. It's not because they've cornered the market and now they're raising their prices and they're charging monopoly prices on things. That's not a thing that happens. They do it when companies are charging too low of prices. And if the companies don't like it, then they're free to not use Amazon services. But no one should be a billionaire. No, that's true. And we so also we have to stop these evil companies from charging because if the companies want to charge too much money, then they're also greedy, capitalistic, terrible companies. Mm-hmm. So we want the lowest prices possible. So Amazon's trying to make the lowest prices possible, but we also have to stop Amazon from making the lowest prices possible at the same time. So I hope you guys are following this. I really hope everyone is. I don't know how I'm not. such smart people in <laughs> such prominent positions can come up with things like this. I know. It's just, it just, I, I can't even on these. You can't even today, huh? I'm at a loss for words, honestly. It's the first story on Tuesday and Charlie can't even. I'm tired now. (laughs) My brain is like, what? Yeah. You're doing what? Maybe you have narcolepsy. Have you looked into that? Because that's a thing that happens, you know, (laughs) that's like very few amounts of narcolepsy cases where people actually pass out, but when you have narcolepsy, you could also have something called cataplexy, which I do have, which makes you feel faint and tired when you're really stressed, or if you're really happy, or if you're really sad. And if you have strong emotions, you actually have the urge to go to sleep mm. immediately. So I'm constantly fighting sleep during the podcast. Because you have strong emotions. Strong emotions about these Especially, things. Especially, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so anyhow, and just in case you guys are wondering why I have to stay so even keeled all the time, it's because I don't want to pass out. That's right. That's because you know? <laughs> if I don't, I'll pass out. So, Has it happened to you before? Um, there was one time really bad. I was at your house. We were playing cards against humanity with your mom, which was hilarious. Yeah. And I was laughing so hard. I was like slump- slumping over on the couch, almost passing out. <laughs> that was one of the first times I noticed that I had an issue. I was laughing so hard that I was like, like fainting pretty much. I thought it was the alcohol. This was a few years ago. But it was actually the narcolepsy. That was really funny. Yeah. That was it, a really funny game. Playing Cards Against Humanity with your mom was yeah. one of the highlights, I would say. What do you think is going to come all of, uh, out of all these antitrust suits against Google, Facebook, Amazon? Uh, worse conditions for consumers. I no, but say. I mean, like, okay, so for instance, when it happened to Microsoft, right? <laughs> and, and Bill Gates went off mm-hmm. and got in a lot of trouble for that. Yeah. Because he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, well... Have you used Netscape? If, Internet Explorer is way better. If you want to watch something really funny, watch Bill Gates's deposition in the antitrust lawsuits. Yeah. It's hilarious. Because he's smart. Yeah. It's almost like uh, the same type of sarcastic condensation. Uh, condensation. <laughs> the sarcastic, um, the condescending sarcastic tone that they use in the Facebook movie. What was Social it? Network. Social yeah. Network. Yeah. It was. So... 
it's absolutely fantastic. And the problem is, though, is that Microsoft ended up having to split up some stuff. They did. And then later on, they found out that they were wrong about that. But oh, well, we don't have to go back into all the history on that. We don't have to redo anything. I don't like antitrust laws. At all. Not not whatsoever. I don't see them ever doing any good. I don't see the Facebook, what we're going to split up, Facebook and Instagram. They're going to be two two separate companies. Great. Wow. We really stopped a lot of stuff from happening right there. Mm. Facebook voluntarily, you know, bought Instagram. Instagram voluntarily sold their company to Facebook. No one forced them to do that. You know, this is, this is happening voluntarily. And it was approved by the government, by the way. It was approved at the time. So you just don't see antitrust cases in the, in what people think is that you do this when there's a, a monopoly happening and they're supposed to stop that from happening. And that's not normally what happens. They do it when companies are charging low prices, but it doesn't mean that you have a monopoly just because you're charging low prices. That's a good thing for consumers. Uh, Amazon's, the only thing that Amazon's doing to stop people from entering Amazon's market is that it's so much better than everyone else. So that's a competitive monopoly. Mm-hmm. And just because you offer a better service than everyone else does not mean that you have a monopoly. It means that people like your service more than they like all the other services. Yeah out there and that's a good thing if if for if there's a chance that a new company could start up and they would be bigger than amazon then it would happen but since they know amazon's going to be better than all of those other companies no one is really doing that right now and that's a that means that's a good thing for all of us because we're getting the best service we can get from amazon right now so i just don't see i don't see the benefit of any of these antitrust cases yeah you get free shipping two-day free shipping two-day free shipping that you pay for how can you argue with that next up from the daily wire thanks ben refund the police question mark major cities are backtracking on police cuts after explosion of violent crime a year after the death of george floyd elected officials of major cities are walking back commitments to cut police funding amid spiking crime rates Elected leaders in places such as Minneapolis, New York City, and Los Angeles are now pushing to increase funding to police departments after months of budget cuts and low morale have gutted law enforcement ranks. At the same time, major cities across the U.S. are suffering spikes in violent crime. Quote, the violence needs to stop. It's unacceptable. People deserve to feel safe in their neighborhood. They deserve to be able to send their kids out on the sidewalk to play and to recreate without bullets flying by. That's unacceptable. We should be holding these perpetrators accountable. Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Fry, a Democrat, said in a May 7 news conference, addressing a spat of violence violence that ripped through the city. By the way, they asked... ripped right through it. (laughs) Ripped it. It was uh, was like a cold front coming through. Mm. Um, They asked uh, the White House House Press Secretary, Jen Psaki, is that what her name is? Something like that. I don't remember. They asked her, you know, what they were thinking about the violent crime. And her answer was that we had a rash of gun violence and we need more gun laws. And that, that, that that's what was that's happening. That's probably definitely. We need the gun laws. That's, that's what would fix it. And then she said we'd circle back. Frey put much of the blame of rising crime rates on activists' calls to defund the police in the wake of George Floyd's death. Violent crime surged 21% in Minneapolis last year. And the trend is threatening to continue through... 2021. Now, I do want to point out that the surge of 21% includes all the riots and everything Mm -hmm. that happened last year. Okay. So we have to take these statistics with a grain of salt. Yep. A little bit. But the the principle still stands. I mean, over time, you see. Now, of course, I argue for 
less police interaction because less police interaction, less laws means less police interactions, means, which means less chances of police making mistakes and or even if they were racially biased, committing racial racially biased shootings. But you would still have laws against people taking liberty away from other people. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm not about um, not having police, not having police. Yeah, I, I think there are better ways to do it. So, quote, when you make big overarching statements that we're going to defund or abolish and dismantle the police department and get rid of all the officers, there's an impact to that. Frey said uh, he also said requesting federal and state help to curb crime in the city, inciting Minneapolis uh, death of cops. It says dearth. But <laughs> it does sure say it dearth. Yeah. Death. <laughs> in L.A., the spike in crime has been more pronounced. Last year, violent crime in the city rose 36 percent. As elected officials stripped the local police department of $150 million, roughly 8% of the department's funding, the number of murders across the city surged to a decade high of 350. Despite Democratic Mayor Eric Garcetti, I hear he's a real gem, <laughs> and the L.A. City Council's earlier commitment to cut police funding, city leaders reversed course last week. <laughs> the city Council approved additional funding for the police department to hire 250 officers, essentially restoring the cuts that the city council approved last year, according to the New York times. So you have all this protesting, all these people out there, just, just saying what they need to say to make sure that they keep their offices, to make sure that they keep their jobs. Just John Mayering all over to the try place. and went saying what they need to say. Yeah. And they say, they said what they need to say and say what you need to say. Yeah. And say what you need to say it ends up not going well. And they're just immediately reversing course on this. Listen, I know that we're libertarians here and we don't like the idea of the government having police. Let's assume that we need police, though. And we'll just say they could be uh, government or they could be private. Either way, I don't think that what's happened over the last year, it would be what you would want to happen with the way that people think about policing in the country. The idea that all of them are racist, the idea that they're all murderers. We played that Karen that talked about how that cop was a murderer just just because he was pulling her over for, for some reason. Mm -hmm. This I think that this overall mentality towards people who are police officers really does hurt the morale quite a bit. You're going to have a lot of people quit. Who would want to be a cop? Seriously. Not I. Not me. Says me. I, that not I says him. Yes. All right. <laughs> the New York City uh, Democratic Mayor Bill de Blasio. If you guys remember him or not. He announced earlier this month that the city is building a new police precinct in Southeast Queens to combat rising crime. The announcement of additional law enforcement comes after de Blasio pledged to cut $1 billion, $1 billion from the New York City Police Department's budget. Very little of the promised cuts have actually materialized as de Blasio and the city council argue over what spending to cut amid the city's crime wave, according to Politico. From January to April, New York City experienced a more than 50% jump in the number of shootings over the same time last year. The spike comes after last year when shootings jumped 97% and the murders across the city increased 45% in 2019. Mm. While New York's been on an uptrend for a little while. They, they are, yeah. I think that they might actually be having some higher lows and higher highs when it comes to their murder rates right now. Mm. The main thing that I think we need to get across here is we need to have police, but those police need to be there to protect the liberty of the individuals that are inside of their jurisdictions, to make sure that no one is taking liberties away from other people. 
And unfortunately, police have become something where we we try to find try to find things that people have done wrong. They become tax basically the tax man mm-hmm. is what they become. And then they find they find these drugs and they gotta put people in prison for you life. Speed and fines. Yeah. You gotta do loose all, cigarette fines. Loose cigarettes. All these and, things. Yeah. Food fines. So if you're gonna decrease the funding of the police departments, it needs to be coupled with decreasing all the, the laws that shouldn't be in place in the first place. Mm-hmm. But decreasing it simply because you think cops are racist and they're murderers and they shouldn't be out there on the streets at all, that means you don't really know what the point of policing is and you don't really know what the problem is. And the problem is that we have too many interactions. A certain, a certain percentage of those are going to go poorly. And if you decrease the amount of interactions, then you're going to decrease the amount of unnecessary deaths that occur. And that's what they need to be working on. Mm-hmm. If we get rid of the drug laws, if we get rid of a lot of the arbitrary, terrible subjective laws that we have could we trim the budget because we don't need to have police out there doing this could we put more money towards maybe uh, i don't know testing the rape kits that we have things like that solving murders who knows you know um that's what i would like to see them yeah, go i want to see yeah real policing that's what i want to see actual investigations and solving crime mm-hmm. because the i mean tom cruise proved it you can't really predict crime without it going real bad for it was you proven yeah, yeah. Proven a fact over fiction. I saw it. Mm-hmm. I saw it on TV, man. You can't do it. He wrote that movie in cursive <laughs> right before your eyes. And he proved it fact to fiction. And I'm telling you right now, there's no predicting crime. So they can't prevent it. Okay. But they need to be, they need to be doing real police work. Um, and it, the other hilarious, it's not really hilarious because people are dying out there. So it's not funny because we are against death. Here, this, this, if this is your first time listening, I want to reiterate how strongly we are against death. And that's all the way strong. The strongest you could be against death mm-hmm. is what, yeah. that's what we are. Um, so, but, but it, it's so hypocritical. These, these emotional, irrational decisions that they just make on a whim, like, oh, we'll just defund the police. Okay. Well, well what's going to happen? Well, we don't know. We're just going to defund it. They're racist. Yeah, everybody, yeah, everybody's saying we should defund it. Like, well, well, but what is what kind of outcome are you going to have? Eh, we don't know. Just going to defund it. Less, less police. Talk. We're going to make it sound so terrible to be a cop. Almost everyone's going to quit, and we're not going to give them any money. Yeah. And then, well, you know, well, law and order. If you're a cop right now, why would you get out of your car and put yourself in harm's way to try and protect people that are living in a high crime neighborhood? Like, why would you do that? You know, if you think that everyone there thinks that you're a racist, murderer, terrible person who doesn't want to see you out there whatsoever, they're probably just going to drive by and act like nothing happened a lot, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's not really what you want. You know, we can talk about our libertarian society where we have private policing and all that, but that's still going to take funding and we're still going to have to talk about what laws people are enforcing and we're still going to have to not say that every time a police officer interacts with someone, it's out of racism or something like that. So you still have to have these conversations, even though we don't live in the world of policing that we want to live in. And we're not having the proper conversation yet, which is if you want to defund the police, it needs to be because you don't need them for the thing that you're defunding them for anymore. And you don't need them because you made some of these things, they're no longer illegal, like things that don't hurt other people. You made it to where those are no no longer illegal. And then maybe if you see that you've got too many cops out there, then you start trimming down the funding because you don't need them anymore. You don't just take away the cops 
and then just say, well, see, we fixed the problem. We took away the cops. Now everyone's safe. You know, that's, that's not what's happening. You know who didn't go out without policing? Rich people. <laughs> it's true. Rich people that have security and bodyguards and, uh -huh. their, and their gates with their security man standing at the gate. Yep. Those are the people. Because, I mean, that's really, that's all policing is, is, is security. That's, that's what it is. You are there to uh, deter threats. And then also um, when a threat occurs to figure out what happened and who's responsible. And a lot of the things that, uh, you know, like, like I said, loose cigarettes and um, I don't know. Drugs. Drugs, major one, speeding or all the different traffic laws. You know, that just give that essentially gives cops a reason to pull you over, so they have a, a reasonable suspicion, so they meet the the threshold for uh, to pull you over and stop you from traveling, and that's all to search see if you got drugs, mainly, mm -hmm. because you'll see a cop change his tune pretty quickly most of the time when you get pulled over and it's nothing, no big deal, and he notices, you know, you run your license and stuff, you ain't got no warrants and doesn't smell any marijuana coming out of the car or nothing. Uh, or or booze, and he'll be like, "Hey, yeah, yeah, you were speeding back there." They're like, "Oh, I was. I'll be right back." Okay. And then everything's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but the problem is, is all the as we talked about before, it's all of the unnecessary, unbelievable regulations and laws. I mean, throwing out or or, or kicking people out. Not kicking people out, but throwing, forcing uh, food vendors and stuff to throw out food because it's not labeled, and all that kind of stuff. Remember that we did that story uh -huh. in New York. Like, what? How is that policing? You know, it's just absolutely absurd. So if you want to defund something, defund that. That's what I'm saying. We don't Get need. Rid of the some, we don't need laws. apple inspectors <laughs> going around inspecting, make sure there's no worms in people's apples. I'm pretty sure you can decide for yourself if you want to eat a wormed apple okay <laughs> anyway that's all i got to say about that okay i'm going to skip the next one we'll save it for tomorrow from fee.org i thought this was a really interesting article that really laid out we've talked a lot about how Rand paul and dr fauci have gone back and forth and it seems like Rand paul has been right well hannah cox did this nice article over there for fee.org and naming off all the times that Rand paul's been right when he when he went up against fauci We've had her on the sh uh, show a few times. Uh -huh, a couple times she's been on here. We need, to, we need to hit her up again sometime. Rand Paul's won every single round against Fauci from Fee.org. With most sporting events canceled for the, much, of the, much of the past year, audience have tuned into a new kind of sparring to fill the void. Political debates. And two opponents have quickly risen to the top of their weight classes, Senator Rand Paul and Dr. Anthony Fauci. <laughs> this is the new sporting event that we are watching. Yeah. The two have paired, have paired off for numerous rounds in a feud that, that's representative of one of the rest of the country has been having. How should the government respond to the coronavirus? In each of these exchanges, the mainstream media and many on the left have rushed to condemn Rand for his views and back Fauci's various stances. But with hindsight on our side, we can now look back on these debates and determine which of their perspectives history has proven correct. There's an important reason we're talking about this, and it's really the end of this article, which talks about why was Rand able to say these things at this time? Because it's easy to have this emotional, reactionary point of view where we got to do this thing to keep us safe. But actually, when you're just guided by your principles and you're guided by history, you can make these kind of statements like what Rand's been saying out there. All right, round one. Let's get ready to rumble. Schools. Last summer, Rand Paul outraged the left by simply stating that classrooms should remain open to public school students. 
He said, quote, there's a great deal of evidence that's actually good, good evidence that kids aren't transmitting this. It's rare and that kids are staying healthy. And that yes, we can open our schools, he said in the committee hearing. Fauci vehemently disagreed, alleging that children could spread the disease as easily as adults and advocating federal regulations around reopening schools. Six months later, Fauci was singing Rand's tune, walking back his earlier comments. Fauci said, quote, if you look at the data, the spread among children from children is not very big at all, Fauci stated. Not like one would have suspected. To be clear, the science... <laughs> To be clear, the science didn't change over those six months. The politics did. Data always showed it was relatively safe to send, to send kids to school. Mm -hmm. All that changed was the political leanings around the idea of sending kids to school. The data was always the same. Round two, masking. In March, the two doctors duked it out again, this time over the question of whether or not Americans should continue to wear masks post-vaccination. Quote, Rand said, you're telling everyone to wear a mask. If we're not spreading the infection, isn't it just theater? You have the vaccine and you're wearing two masks. Isn't that theater? Fauci said, here we go again with the theater. Yet the official narrative on masking post-vaccines changed only a couple days later as politicians realized their security theater was discouraging Americans from taking the vaccine. In a video, Fauci all but admitted his mask mandates were for show, stating, I didn't want to look like I was giving mixed signals. While giving mixed signals. While actually giving mixed signals. <laughs> yes. Round three, COVID origins. For months, it's been taboo to even question the COVID origin story coming to a theater near you. Americans have been told the virus made the jump from animals to humans naturally. And suggestions that the virus originated from a Wuhan lab studying the infection in bats has been condemned as a conspiracy theory. In their latest matchup, Rand Paul pressed Fauci on the story and demanded more information around funding the U.S. gave to the lab in question. Rand said, quote, Dr. Fauci, we don't know whether the pandemic started in a lab in Wuhan or evolved naturally, but we should want to know. Three million people have died from this pandemic, and that should cause us to explore all possibilities. To arrive at the truth, the U.S. government should admit that the Wuhan Virology Institute was experimenting to enhance the coronavirus's ability to infect humans. He continued, Paul went on to point out a grant from the National Institutes of Health, where Fauci works, to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Uh, Fauci said, Senator Paul, with all due respect, you are entirely and completely incorrect. Fauci responded, he denied the gain-of-function research funding in question as well. I could just hear his voice, too. I know, but following the dispute, the official, the official story on the origins began to be backtracked. Media outlets softened their position, and some outright edited their previous articles condemning the story. I actually saw this from, uh, I think, Slate and maybe Politico and some other places like that. They literally went back and edited old articles where they said that it was conspiracy theory and no, no absolutely not possible. They had changed wording inside of the articles mm -hmm. to make it sound like they knew it was a possibility the whole time. So the lesson, this is the important part of it. Without a doubt, time has shown Rand had his thumb on the pulse of the science of the disease, the unintended consequences of government policies, and the proper way the government should have balanced public health with civil liberties. Why has Rand Paul had the upper hand in each of these rounds? Is it because he's smarter, a better doctor, perhaps? But more likely, it's because Rand has been following more than the science, he's been following his principles. The pandemic created uncertain times, and in the face of such events, many attempt to play God and control the environment. They turn to the entity least likely to protect them, the government, and put their faith in central planning. But history repeats itself, and the old warning to Benjamin Franklin remains more relevant than ever. Those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. Why do those who give up liberty for safety end up with neither? Because government central planning cannot keep people safe. 
It cannot stop viral diseases any more than it can stop tornadoes. At best, the government is capable of guarding and upholding natural rights, which should always be the focal point of any action it takes. I love that because what she's saying is the government, there's a purpose for the government. There's a reason that we have the government. But the only thing is, is that it should protect the natural rights that we have, that, that we were born with, that, that the Constitution says it's going to protect. Not the rights that, that people think the Constitution gives you, but the rights that the Constitution said you have because you're a human being and that they're going to protect. But when they branch out into all these other things, these are not the people that you want to have taken care of this. And here's why. Because the knowledge problem, people working in government will never have all the information they would need to make the best decisions for 330 million people. This basic economic hurdle produces humility and wise leaders who seek to leave most decisions in the hands of individuals or local governments. But arrogant men ignore it and believe they know what's best for others. As has been the case so many other times in history, the arrogance of central planners like Dr. Fauci compounded the harmful impact of the disease and created countless additional problems in their wake. Amen. Mm, that's pretty mm. good, Hannah, right there. Let me Can tell you I what. Can I get a hallelujah? That is good Mm-mm-mm. stuff. I believe, I think she's the daughter of a preacher. <laughs> I think so. And, and so, amen. Hallelujah. All right. The next article is the last article. I thought it would be. I thought it'd be an interesting one to have a debate over, Charles. So we're going to keep on with the COVID. Now a little bit more COVID here. stuff. Yeah. This is coming from ABC News. 117 employees sue Houston Methodist Hospital for requiring COVID-19 vaccine. So not even the healthcare workers want to take it. <laughs> over 100 employees have joined a lawsuit against Houston Methodist Hospital in Houston, uh, in Texas, for requiring all employees to get the COVID-19. Vaccine. This is in uh, Aaron and Maurice's neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. The network, which oversees eight hospitals and has more than 26,000 employees, gave workers a deadline of June 7 to get the vaccine. If not, staffers risk suspension and termination, according to the lawsuit. As a result, 117 employees have joined a lawsuit filed Friday in Montgomery County that alleges the hospital is illegally requiring its employees to be injected with an experimental vaccine as a condition of employment. The lawsuit cited that the U.S. FDA issued its first emergency use authorization for COVID-19 in December 2020, but the vaccines are awaiting full FDA approval and licensing, which will likely take months for the agency to review additional data. The complaint cited that forcing employees to get a vaccine violates Nuremberg Code, a a medical ethics code, which bans forced medical experiments and mandates voluntary consent. The lawsuit says, this is for, that's from the, the Nuremberg trials. The lawsuit says forcing the plaintiffs to take the vaccine violates public policy in Texas and requests a temporary injunction to prevent the hospital from terminating employees for refusing to get a vaccine shot. When asked about alternative options for employees who do not want to get the COVID vaccine, the hospital told ABC News that it offered religious and medical exemptions as well as deferrals for pregnant women. See, now that's something I don't like. I don't, well, I like that they offer the exemptions, but I don't, I don't like this thing that we have surrounding religious exemptions for things because it says that only if you are religious do you have the right to make these choices for your body or for a lot of other things. You know, what are you going to pay for in your health care and stuff like that? And it puts people who are religious a tier above other people who maybe aren't religious but just want to object to getting a vaccine. Why would someone who isn't religious be forced to... Now, we'll talk about whether or not you're being forced, because I doubt they uh, 
kidnap you from your house and force you to work there or anything mm-hmm. like that. Uh, but why would someone who isn't religious, we'll just say be forced to get this, but someone who is religious would have an exemption? Why do you have more rights, more personal property rights, if you're religious? I know why legally you would, but I'm saying from a philosophical point of view, that the protections that you have, say, in the Constitution shouldn't just be because of your religious beliefs. They should be because you're a human being, you know? Well, I think it's because that one's specifically mentioned in the Constitution. I'm saying legally, I understand it, yeah, but right. philosophically, I don't like it. Yeah. The hospital group reminded employees in the document that they are legally protected from harassment, such as anti-Asian bias, or if they feel they are not being allowed to work because they are high risk from COVID-19. Quote, it is anti- un- they're protected from anti-Asian bias. Yeah. So if you're getting fired and you're Asian, for not taking the vaccine, then you might be okay. You might be able to keep working there. So religious, Asian, Mm -hmm. that's it. Everyone else, better take it. (laughs) Quote, it's unfortunate that the few remaining employees who refuse to get vaccinated and put our patients first are responding this way. They said in a statement, it is legal for healthcare institutions to mandate vaccines as we have done with the flu vaccine since 2009. The COVID-19 vaccines have proven through rigorous trials to be very safe and very effective and are not experimental. And that's actually not true at the end. Yeah, they're still under the emergency use authorization legally, right? Right. Yeah, that hasn't been fully approved yet. Yeah. No, which is fine because we don't really believe in the FDA either. But but here's the thing. So there's, well, there's a couple things with this, which is um, one, they're not forcing you to work there. So they can, unfortunately, as a private entity, they can, now now they may accept federal dollars. I don't know. See, this is where it gets a little tough. Mm -hmm. That's where it gets a little gray, man. It ain't black and white. They definitely get a lot of federal dollars because they're yeah, a hospital and exactly. they probably have a lot of Medicare patients. Yes. So that's that's the that's the tough part about this. But as a let's just say it's a regular employer employee, you're they don't have to work there. Like like um, for instance, I require my folks to get a certain amount of things done. <laughs> like uh, that's just the way to that's, <coughs> that's how you run a business. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you don't have to work there. So I, I, I hate lawsuits like this because while I don't necessarily disagree with them, um, at the same time I do, my principled stance has to be that I do disagree with them because, well, because the, the company should be allowed to tell its employees what they require of them to be able to work there. I'm, it's funny. I, but I think it's stupid that they do require it. I come down exactly where you just came down on this. Where I could say when I read this at first, I kind of want them to win, kind of, because I don't want people to be to have to take the vaccine. I want it to all be voluntary. I think that's the best thing for everyone. But at the same time, legally, you're not forced to work there. And I understand that this is you putting something in your body, but they're not for. They're, if you don't want to do that, then then don't work there. And we can disagree with them requiring people to do that and maybe not use that hospital or, or, not, or not work there because we don't like the company. But I think a company can, can set these rules. I think a company can set rules for their employees if they want to require that you wear a certain shirt or that you have a certain temperature while you're working there, that you've had a specific vaccine or something like that, like they said they've been doing with the flu vaccine. Wear a certain uniform. Then then they can do that. And if you don't want to do that, then don't work there. I, I think where this is going to come down legally is whether or not the vaccine is determined to be experimental when it's uh, emergency use 
authorization. I, I think they know that's the only place where they might have some legal foothold on this is the fact that it hasn't been fully approved, I guess. I, I don't, has it been? I don't think they've been fully approved. I think, I think they're still under emergency use. And so without them being fully approved legally, do they still qualify as an experimental vaccine? I don't know. And I think that's where this is going to come down. And then they get their Nuremberg uh, trials or code or whatever, saying that you can't force people to take experimental medications. And I'm still like, well, you're also not forcing people to work there. If it's a requirement of people that work there to take it, but they're not picking you up at your house and putting you in chains and making you work there, then can you just go work somewhere else? Uh, somewhere else? I don't know. And And I know some of you guys are going to disagree. And I just... You know, what I want to be clear is I don't want the hospital to do this. I think that it's, I think a really, it's dumb on their part. I think it's really bad on their part. Uh, but I treat it as anything else that an employer requires of someone. And it's the bake the cake argument when there is. And I think the only thing is the only difference is the medical, the HIPAA, the, the actual putting something in your body difference. But if there's no force involved in it then I think that they should still be allowed to do it. And there isn't any force involved in it. Right. And so it's like I, you're fine not to take the vaccine. We're fine not to employ you. Yeah. It's like, that's just the way it goes. And I, I'm supportive of the business's rights to require it. But I, if the government mandated that all people who worked at a medical facility had the vaccine, then I wouldn't be in favor of right. it because there's, because then there's an element of force involved in it then you wouldn't be able to work anywhere in a medical facility. And then the medical facilities are only doing it uh, in large part because they're forced to by the government. And there's an element of force inside of that decision. And right now there, there really isn't. The only force is whether or not you choose to work at this establishment. And as long as you can still choose to work somewhere else, then I don't see the force involved with it. Mm. So I, I don't know. That's just where I come down. I on agree. It. And it's, I, it's a tough one. I mean, that's, that's the problem with these types of things um, when, when you can get your, your feelings and your principles kind of all knotted up, you know? Yeah. And you're like, I don't know what to feel. My feelings aren't matching the principles, you know? <laughs> and like, it, to me, it's the same as, as the bake the cake situation. Uh, okay. Like should uh, the Christian uh, bake shop owners bake the cake? I think they should. Should they have to? No, they shouldn't have to. Shouldn't have to bake a cake for anyone they don't want to bake a cake for. But do morally, do I think they should? Here's the thing: morally, do I think do I think that the 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 company, because I own my own company, would I require Nate and John and other people that I contract with require them to get the vaccine before coming into work? No, no, because I'm I have principles. I don't believe that that should be a condition for employment for employment. Um, but at the same time, if I were to require it and they didn't want to do it, be like, okay, well, I don't want to employ you anymore. Yeah. I just think it's the, just a, I think you as an employer should be able to require those things. And as long as those people are free to choose where they work and where they don't work, that that's your establishment. That's your property. Uh, that's your job to give to someone or to not give to someone. And if that is a condition for employment, then you should be able to do that. I can disagree with you doing that, but I, I still have to come down with it being your right to do so. Mm -hmm. And if people want to go work somewhere else, I completely support them doing that for sure. So start their own hospital. All right, man. That's it for the day. That's about all I got to say about it. You know, 
Y'all, if you want to be part of the live group, which I know you do because you enjoyed today's episode, it was absolutely fantastic. As I, as Nate said, it was going to be at the beginning. All right. But you can do that by going to patreon.com slash goodmorningliberty, patreon.com slash goodmorningliberty. That's the quickest ad I'm going to do on that type of thing. It's a fun place. Y'all, we're having our 500th episode live coming up in right, a couple weeks. It's, five, it's like a month. Five, six no. weeks from now. Yeah. And cutoffs already happened. So it's not you can join and show up. Sorry. Um, but for, we're going to do other things like this. So you'll want to sign up. It's it's only five bucks a month. And join the fun crowd. Maurice, Joe, Trickle D, Tom, Ryan, Roz, Matt. Paul. Paul. Yeah. Wes. And uh, Sam. And Sam. Sam. Sam's been a while, uh, away for a while, but he'll, he'll be back. So join that, patreon.com slash Liberty, And then please share the show. The numbers keep on ticking up. Uh, even though we did less episodes last week, you guys are just still sharing it. Dumb Bleep is getting a hell of a lot of plays. And uh, we appreciate you guys sharing every single bit of it. Leave us that rating and review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere that you can leave a rating and review. And if you guys do all of those things, We'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning liberty.